Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Matthew 21, verses 23 to 32, and then through J.C. Rao's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 to 32. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where did it come from? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then do you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, Go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. And Jesus said to them, Truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you, For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you sought, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. This is the word of the Lord. These verses contain a conversation between our Lord Jesus Christ and the chief priests and elders of the people. Those bitter enemies of all righteousness saw the sensation which the public entry into Jerusalem and the cleansing of the temple had produced. At once they came around our Lord like bees and endeavored to find occasion for an accusation against him. Let us observe in the first place how ready the enemies of truth are to question the authority of all who do more good than themselves. The chief priests have not a word to say about our Lord's teaching. They make no charge against the lives or conduct of himself or his followers. The point on which they fasten is his commission. By what authority do you do these things? And who gave you this authority? The same charge has often been made against the servants of God when they have striven to check the progress of ecclesiastical corruption. It is the old weapon by which the children of this world have often labored to stop the progress of revivals and reformations. It is the weapon which was often brandished in the face of the reformers, the Puritans, and the Methodists of the last century. It is the poisoned arrow which is often shot at city missionaries and lay agents in the present day. Too many care nothing for the manifest blessing of God on man's work so long as he is not sent forth by their own sect or party. It matters nothing to them that some humble laborer in God's harvest can point to numerous conversions of souls through his instrumentality. 
they still cry, By what authority do you do these things? His success is nothing. They demand his commission. His cures are nothing. They require his diploma. Let us neither be surprised nor moved when we hear such things. It is the old charge which was brought against Christ himself. There is no new thing under the sun. Ecclesiastes 1.9 Let us observe in the second place the consummate wisdom with which our Lord replied to the question put to him. His enemies had asked him for his authority for doing what he did. They doubtless intended to make his answer a handle for accusing him. He knew the drift of their inquiry and said, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? We must distinctly understand that in this answer of our Lord's there is no evasion. To suppose this is a great mistake. The counter-question which he asked was in reality an answer to his enemy's inquiry. He knew they dared not deny that John the Baptist was a man sent from God. He knew that, this being granted, he needed only to remind them of John's testimony to himself. Had not John declared him to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Had not John pronounced him to be the Mighty One who was to baptize with the Holy Spirit? In short, our Lord's question was a home thrust to the conscience of his enemies. If they once seceded the divine authority of John the Baptist's mission, they must also concede the divinity of his own. If they acknowledge that John came from heaven, they must acknowledge that Jesus himself was the Christ. Let us pray that, in this difficult world, we may be supplied with the same kind of wisdom which was here displayed by our Lord. No doubt we ought to act on the injunction of Peter and always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason concerning the hope that is in you, with humility and fear. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 We ought to shrink from no inquiry into the principles of our holy religion and be ready at any time to defend and explain our practice. But for all this, we must never forget that wisdom is profitable to direct, and we should strive to speak wisely in defense of a good cause. The words of Solomon deserve consideration. Don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Proverbs 26 verse 4. In the last place, let us observe in these verses what immense encouragement our Lord holds out to those who repent. We see this strikingly brought out in the parable of the two sons. Both were told to go to work in their father's vineyard. One son, like the self-indulgent tax collectors, for some time flatly refused obedience, but afterwards repented and went. The other, like the formal Pharisees, pretended willingness to go, but in reality went not. Which of the two, says our Lord, did the will of his father? Even his enemies were obliged to reply, the first. Let it be a settled principle in our Christianity that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is infinitely willing to receive penitent sinners. It matters nothing what a man has been in his past time. 
Does he repent and come to Christ? Then old things are passed away, and all things are become new. It matters nothing how high or self-confident a man's profession of religion may be. Does he really give up his sins? If not, his profession is abominable in God's sight, and he himself is still under the curse. Let us take courage ourselves. If we have been great sinners in the past, only let us repent and believe in Christ, and there is hope. Let us encourage others to repent. Let us hold the door wide open to the very chief of sinners. Never will that word fail. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 verse 9. That is the end of Rao's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory.